0: Travelers and welcome to Adventures in Security, episode 53 for October 7th, 2007, with your host Tom Olszak. You can find the information covered in our episodes at adventuresinsecurity.com on the podcast page. If you're interested in commenting on what you hear or about topics you'd like me to talk about, please send email to podcasts at podcastsadventuresinsecurity.com. In this episode, I read my new paper about desktop application virtualization and application streaming. But first, I wanted to share what I consider to be a very valuable list of tasks that target the security of your data. This is from a blog entry I wrote entitled, Information Security is About Protecting the Data. Layered Controls, Policies, Awareness Training, and other steps organizations take to secure their information. Resources are effective only if the guiding principle behind them is to protect sensitive data. The following is a good overview of specific steps a company must take if it hopes to get a handle on protecting non-public information. This list is from an article entitled All About the Data that appeared in the October 5, 2007 online version of InfoWorld. First, locate your data. Start by locating your data. It's much harder than it looks. Begin the process by searching for data on your database and file servers. Think of every location where your data can be deposited. Then think of all the ways it can be accessed, downloaded, copied, viewed, and printed. Data can be copied to removable media, including floppies. Anyone have these anymore? CD-ROMs, DVDs, USB drives, and tape. Has data been copied to local hard drives or downloaded to virtual images, laptops, and home computers? The last two locations have ended up in the media way too much lately. Next is information leaving your company via email and other networking methods. If you're not sure, consider using one of the many data leak protection tools available to sniff your traffic, looking for confidential data. Every client I've talked to that has used one of these tools said they have been surprised by the amount of unauthorized confidential data leaving their networks. Last year, a CSO friend of mine said it best. If you think you know where all your data is, you either don't understand the scope of the problem, or you're clueless. Next, classify data and access. Once you find the data, classify it according to sensitivity, much like the government does with unclassified, classified, secret, and top-secret classifications. I prefer general labels such as simple numbers, 1 to 5, beginning... With five, I'm sorry, with five being the highest sensitivity. Define the various sensitivity labels so that everyone classifying data can follow some basic rules when marking the data. When you finish classifying your data, what mechanisms do you have in place to ensure all future created data is appropriately classified? Now that the data is classified, move to issues of how users get to the information. How is the data accessed? who is accessing the information, and for what purpose. Next, threat model. Model all the possible threats to the data, from internal, unauthorized accesses to external intruders. Threats can be from human beings or malicious mobile code. Don't forget to include natural disasters and other disaster recovery events. Next, identify the current state of your data. Document the current state of security controls surrounding the data. Include authentication schemes, access controls, permissions, intrusion prevention, and auditing in your documentation. Next, protect the data. All the previous steps should lead to some natural conclusions about protecting the data. The more valuable and sensitive the data, the stronger and more redundant the controls should be. Access controls should be least privileged and role-based. Data protection also includes data backups, protection of those backups, such as encryption, secure storage, and so on, and enough test restorations to ensure confidence in the process. Backups should become a part of business continuity disaster recovery plans. Next, develop a data retention policy. After you're through protecting the data, delete it. Well, get rid of it when it's no longer needed. It saves space and resources as well as decreases liabilities. Don't keep data any longer than is necessary. Next, monitoring, alerting, and reporting. Develop systems to monitor data accesses, whether authorized or otherwise. Generate alerts to send an incident response team when a highly critical threshold event has been met. Determine ahead of time how to respond to an unauthorized intrusion. Who gets contacted and when, if things go wrong. And finally, ongoing maintenance. After all the hard work, make sure the plan and controls doesn't become obsolete the day after they're put into place. Everything I've mentioned above is hard work. It would take the average organization many months to accomplish. Locating and classifying the data could take months by itself, but this is the right way to focus computer security. Focusing on computers and particular types of anti-malware is a misdirected focus. It's the data, period. Okay, and that was the list from the article, and I encourage all of you to read the full article. And the link to it is uh, in my blog post that I just went through. And my blog can be found at ittoolbox.com, and the name of the post is, of course, Adventures in Security. Now we'll move on to the paper. This paper uh, I published in August 2007 can be found at my website at adventuresinsecurity.com or you can find it at infosecwriters.com and um, this this paper has uh some decent figures in it some graphics that help to uh ex- help to visualize what i'm trying to explain so if you get a chance i would encourage you to download the paper and at least uh, skim through it in those areas that you had some issues with maybe the graphics can help so the name of this paper is Desktop Application Virtualization and Application Streaming, Function, and Security Benefits. Current security issues caused by an increasing number of threats, application vulnerabilities, and the growing complexity of many computing environments is making traditional approaches to system maintenance and support very difficult or impossible to manage. Even the best attempts to maintain up-to-date endpoint device environments including operating system and application security patch rollouts, often fall short due to cost or logistics issues. Exacerbating the problem of endpoint management are the user demands for freedom to install their favorite productivity applications or use the latest handheld personal data assistant, or PDA. In addition to the potential for a business network malware pandemic, Incompatibilities between personal applications and critical business client functionality can result in business continuity challenges. In this paper, I examine the challenges facing managers as they attempt to provide secure, continuous processing capabilities on their endpoint devices, specifically FAT clients. This is followed by a look at where we've been, how we arrive at the current processing environment, and possible next steps application streaming into virtualized user devices. I use Microsoft SoftGrid to walk through the process of setting up and managing this new approach to managing desktop and laptop security. First section, Management Challenges. Today's IT managers are faced with a growing number of challenges when attempting to maintain end-user, fat client computers. The following list is taken from a Computer World article by Galen Grumman. The comments are mine. First, track who has what update. As the number of applications increases across a growing number of end-user computers, many organizations cannot effectively determine which systems are up-to-date. This is a significant issue when the untracked updates are either security patches or mandatory changes to a critical business application. Next, help desk costs. Unless a standard image is deployed to all end-user systems, the number of help desk calls can be rather large. Even when standard configurations are used, the pressure to allow user-provided applications causes many companies to provide local administrator capabilities to laptops and desktops for installation and desktop configuration purposes. Conflicts between these changes in business-critical applications can result in significant costs and both lost productivity as well as IT support. Next in the list is long security update cycles. When vendors release security updates, the end-user device update cycle can be rather long. It includes testing to ensure nothing breaks, followed by an often time-consuming rollout. A rollout during which making sure every system is patched can be very difficult, if not impossible. Actual usage tracking. Licensing issues for large enterprise networks can be a career path for some unsuspecting member of information services. Understanding what applications are actually used, how often they're used, and who is using them is nearly impossible without special metering tools. Even then, traditional metering solutions usually require management of an agent on each system containing the software a manager wants to track. Finally, Matching the number of licenses purchased to the number of instances of an application actually used is a matter of close enough guesswork. And finally, incompatibility between application components. In addition to potential conflicts when patches or end user applications are installed, new applications mandated by management can also cause havoc when new or replaced operating system components cause failures in existing applications. Examples include dynamic link libraries, DLLs, Java versions, ActiveX controls, and other shared components or services. Add to these challenges the possible changes to registry controls, and you have the conditions necessary for widespread business disruption. Grumman's list includes most of the major problems that arise when managing a large number of desktop or mobile computers, yet it is not a complete list. Based on my experience with managing networks, and user devices, and security, I'd like to add the following. First, spread of malware. With the satisfied need to connect every device to every other device, malware infestations are often able to run rampant across enterprise networks. Further, eliminating malware from end-user devices often means re-imaging or replacing them with freshly imaged systems. Data leaks. Traditional FAT client PCs, can be used to locally store sensitive information. Storage of information might be intentional or incidental to application execution. Intentional data storage results from users making a conscious decision to store information on their local disk. Incidental storage occurs when application information is cached locally to meet processing requirements. In both cases, information is available to theft or loss. Next, controlling access to applications. Once an application is installed on a user's computer, it can be all but impossible to remove access. And finally, providing application data access to mobile users. The problem here goes beyond access, which can be provided by many solutions, such as SSL VPN. Rather, maintaining mobile device patches and application updates can be difficult. Most, if not all of these challenges, exist to some degree in any medium to large enterprise. Traditional approaches to dealing with them have been time-consuming, expensive, or fall short of effectiveness objectives. So how did we get ourselves into this mess and is hoped to be found in the next generation of networking technologies? Section 2, The Past, Present, and Future It's taken us 30 years to arrive at our current state. Moving from centralized processing and management to a distributed model seemed to be a natural path given the nature of PC computing. In the 1970s, the mainframe was king. All processing was performed on a single computer, with data retrieved from and stored to storage located in the data center. Access to the data center was tightly controlled. In many cases, users received reports from the computer operators through a window or slot. They accessed electronic information with dumb terminals with no local processing capabilities. The terminals were simple devices that collected keystrokes, and presented data in green text. Distributed processing. Distributed processing began in the 1980s with personal computers finding their way to the desktop. These were fat clients that participated in client server configurations and connected to the mainframe's smaller cousin, the mini computer. Although many companies still performed the bulk of their business processing in a centralized processing environment, both applications and data began to drift out to the endpoint devices. During the 1990s, another shift in business processing architecture took place with the advent of layered system technology. This included building applications with presentation and data access logic layers, with data residing on database servers in the data center. Still, that client endpoint devices continued to run applications, and more data than ever before found its way to local hard drives. This was also a time when malware writers began perfecting their art. Attacks that eventually spread across entire enterprises often started on an unprotected or weakly protected personal computer. In the 21st century, IT managers began to realize that traditional methods of managing desktop and laptop systems were no longer effective in dealing with changes in business requirements, user demands regarding technology implementations, and black hat hackers transitioning from fun and games to an organized crime business model. Demands for the rapid turnaround of application installation or upgrade requests, the need to quickly apply security patches to operating systems and applications, and many other management headaches are driving a new approach to endpoint processing and management, a combination of desktop virtualization and application streaming. Section 3, Desktop Application Virtualization. For the purpose of this paper, I define desktop virtualization as a state in which application runtime environments running on the user's desktops execute within a private space, sharing only operating system services and hardware. For clarification, let's examine what this does not include. Figure 2 is what many think of when discussing desktop virtualization. Instead of permanently installing applications on user's endpoint device, They are installed in virtualized server environments. They might also be installed on blade servers, with each blade corresponding to a single desktop device. Finally, thin clients accessing terminal services or Citrix sessions are sometimes running virtualized desktops using solutions like SoftGrid. These are examples of server-based computing, and they do not fall within the definition of virtualized desktops used in this paper. One big problem with this approach is leaving unused a significant amount of processing potential in the form of desktop FAD clients. Now let's take a look at virtualized desktop environments that use the power available. Figure three depicts a Microsoft softgrid grid enabled desktop. Each application runs in an isolated environment. Although the applications share OS services and hardware resources, Components unique to each application, for example, registry entries, dynamic link libraries, com objects, and so forth, can be private to that application running within the application sandbox. This approach does not virtualize the operating system, just the applications. Isolating application processing environments resolves several of the challenges surrounding endpoint availability, including incompatibility between application components, Applications deployed and running within a sandbox can use their own private copy of the registry, DLLs, and other components that might conflict with other applications. This also positively affects help desk costs. Spread of malware. When an application running in virtualized space is infected by malware, the infection is unable to spread to the rest of the PC. And data leaks. Data leaks from cache are less probable. In a virtualized application environment, Local cache is unique to each application instance running. Shut down the application, and the cache is eliminated. Now we'll examine the second step toward a more secure and available desktop environment, application streaming. Section 4, Application Streaming. The second piece of this potential solution for endpoint availability and security management is centralized distribution and management of applications. There are two ways to accomplish this. First, entire applications can be downloaded to virtualized runtime environments. Second, only those components necessary for initial load and execution of the virtualized applications are downloaded. Additional components are downloaded as necessary. In this paper, we'll use the second method to explain the benefits of desktop application virtualization. VMware and Microsoft SoftGrid are two of the biggest vendors for application virtualization. I chose SoftGrid for our walkthrough of application virtualization technology. SoftGrid is capable of packaging applications for on-demand stream delivery into virtualized endpoint runtime environments. Figure four depicts the first step in this process. A workstation is configured with the SoftGrid sequencer application. As the SoftGrid administrator installs the target application on the workstation, the sequencer monitors all installation steps including changes to the registry. The administrator can also select specific components to be included in the virtualized application package, such as DLLs, as well as Java and .NET components. Further, the application can be configured to store information in a centralized location. For example, a secure data center. The final outcome of the sequencer process is a set of four files that comprise the virtualized application with an initial application load just big enough to load and initially execute the application. According to Microsoft, the load size is approximately 20 to 40 percent of the total application size. The four files are then placed on a soft grid application server for distribution. The administrator grants access to the application by adding users with approved access to a related AD group. Only members of the group will be able to see the application icon on their desktops or access the application files on the server. To reverse the process, in other words to revoke a user's access, simply remove him or her from the group. Once a user is added to the proper group, the application icon will appear on her desktop at next login. If the user is already logged in, She can force a refresh of her desktop by using a SoftGrid utility typically found in the system tray. The application is accessed by double-clicking the icon. Figure 5 depicts what occurs when the user runs the application for the first time. The four files created and installed on the SoftGrid application server are accessed by the desktop. The result is the creation of a virtual application environment on the user's machine, with the bare minimum of application components streamed into it. The result is a self-contained application runtime space that virtualizes the following components. The registry. Registry changes unique to the application are not made to the main operating system on the desktop. Rather, they're virtualized within the isolated application runtime space. The file system. Calls from the application for local disk access can be redirected to access DLLs and other components from a virtual file system and IPC, INI files, process environment, and fonts. Desktop users can access the virtual applications for which they have access from any workstation in the enterprise or from home. Laptop users can pre-stage the application for offline use. If an administrator wants to upgrade an application, she simply installs it on the sequencer, building four new soft grid files. If it's necessary to run the new version in parallel with the old, the new application package is stored in a new folder on the SoftGrid server. Users granted access to the new application can run both the old and the new versions at the same time on the same desktop, since they're running in virtualized environments. Section 5, Meeting Management's Challenges The management challenges listed earlier in this paper are addressed by streaming applications to virtualized application processing environments in the following ways. First, applying patches in a virtualized environment is a simple rebuild of the appropriate soft grid package. The next time a user runs the application, the updated version is automatically streamed to the desktop. Next, help desk costs associated with failed application installations Overwritten application components, corrupted registries, and so forth, are all but eliminated when files and settings unique to an application are virtualized. Next, use of applications accessed via the soft grid server is tracked. Further, administrators can link an active instance of a running application to a license. This metering of applications helps organizations remain compliant with licensing agreements. If a virtualized application environment is infected with malware, the threat is contained, prevented from spreading to other applications of the base operating system. The threat of data leaks is mitigated due to the virtualization of local cache associated with application processing. Further, configuration of applications such as Microsoft Office Suite can encourage users to save documents in a secure, centralized environment. Application access is controlled by group membership. In addition, applications that run on laptops can be figured to stop running if the user doesn't authenticate to the enterprise network within a specific period. This prevents thieves from using laptop applications indefinitely. And finally, mobile users are able to access patched or updated applications from any location. Conclusion The proliferation of fat clients and distributed applications has been the result of a natural progression from centralized and flexible computing to decentralized computing focused on user productivity. Managing this new world has been difficult for IT and security teams. This, coupled with the rising cost of licensing and help desk operations, is causing our organizations to look for a better way. Although application virtualization is not the only solution to today's desktop management challenges, it is positioned as a viable alternative. Well, that's it for this week. And uh, within the next uh, couple weeks, I'll have another paper that's being released, and this one is on uh, the use of the trusted platform module, Vista, and BitLocker to uh, lock down laptops so that they're more secure when uh, your users are running around the countryside with them. And uh, next week, we're probably just going to cover some more... Um, things that have, that I think are interesting in the news and how that might impact what's going on in your security efforts. And until that time, be careful what you click.